Welcome to the Wellness Guys Show with wellness experts Dr. Lawrence Tam, Dr. Damien Kristoff, and Dr. Brett Hill. Welcome to the Wellness Guys. I'm Dr. Lawrence Tam. I'm Dr. Damien Kristoff. And I'm Dr. Brett Hill. And this is the Wellness Guys Show, a weekly show dedicated to bringing wellness into our lives. And this, gentlemen, is our 19th episode. Happy birthday. Hey, that was the biggest lead up into or wind up you've ever done as an intro. Oh, really? That was big. It was like you've been on radio or something or you've like read some good news or something like that. I think I've matured, you know, I've moved on from the teenage years to, to become an officially an adult on radio now. <laughs> well, I'm really excited because this week we've been getting so much feedback and we've been checking, you know, on Facebook and, and on iTunes and we realized something out of the blue mm-hmm. with How big uh, is it? we've been we've been you know people are actually listening to our podcast <laughs> actually can i uh, i'm gonna announce it because i've been so excited i've been tweeting this and telling everyone and i know brett you might want to say something and i'll let you talk in a second but i'm so excited about this we actually you know in the category of fitness and health we ranked number one podcast across australia which is unbelievable so it's cool eh? that the second most popular podcast is one of the number one selling books in the world at the moment the paleo solution and we ranked higher than that in australia which is gold and of the top 10 most downloaded podcasts in australia for uh health and nutrition or fitness and nutrition um we ranked one two three four seven and eight out of the top 10 that's crazy isn't it we six out of it. ten. Six out, six out of the top ten. And then if you drill down a little bit and you actually go back a bit and you go to the health podcasts, out of just the category of health in Australia, we actually rank number two out of all of the health podcasts that could possibly be there. And that's actually behind the ABC podcast, which, you know, we, we're just a bunch of blokes. <laughs> just doing things on a shoestring here and loving it and talking about great stuff and people are loving what we're talking about and so I'm, I want to send out a big thank you to everybody yeah and I think that's you know that's who we got to thank it's really we would not have gotten here uh, without you guys the listeners now we're going to make it to the world number one that's what we want that's right <laughs> <laughs> so help us um, yeah. you can do that by giving us rankings uh, high, high ratings on, on iTunes and uh, download tell your friends obviously and download uh, your podcast on iTunes um, you know obviously like us on Facebook and, and comment you know make us uh, you know spread the word we want to get across well, I mean obviously we have an international audience already we have people from Canada United States and Europe um, but you know mostly people uh, who are listening right now are mostly from Australia so let's and get New Zealand. across and New Zealand that's right so uh, yeah, well, thank you very much. You know, from the bottom of our hearts, you know, really appreciate for sticking with us for so long. And uh, we thought today, ep- today's episode, we would give back to our listeners because we've been getting a lot of um, emails from listeners, you know, asking questions. They've been posting it on Facebook, and we do answer them one on one. And uh, people are actually surprised that we actually answer these emails. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't expect you to answer. Well, why did you send the email in the first place? Partly because maybe the bar's been set low. Or maybe, you know, often uh, people get so busy that they lose that personalization of it. And I'd like to commit that uh, as a wellness guy, I'm not going to lose that personal touch. So, you know, as as we get busier and and more and more people listening to us and we have more and more questions asked, I commit to continue to answering them. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, and the other thing that happens sometimes is people get a bit precious with their information. Yeah. And sometimes people are like, oh, yeah, you want to know that? Yeah, buy my book. Yeah, (laughs) that's right. (laughs) $29.95 on Amazon. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. So we won't do that either. 
No, no, exactly. So the, the information <laughs> is absolutely free, and uh, so that's why you got to tell your friends about it. Always will be. But this is the thing, though. We we thought in this episode what we'll do is we will go back to some of the questions we've been asked um, mm-hmm. through emails and through Facebook and through you know uh, when it's done personally. And we thought we would just highlight some of the uh, hot, you know the top questions that are out there that people are asking and sort of just sort of answer them and uh, sort of give back as 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 our uh, 19th episode to really answer those you know top six ten questions we got we got for you and um, and uh, create a, an episode out of it. Oh, eight. Or eight, <laughs> whatever number we got. Well, it depends on how many we get through in thirty minutes. Yeah, let's see how we go. <laughs> so um, we've taken some of these from our, actually our iTunes um, rate reviews, and there has been we. This is unbelievable, by the way. We have sixteen reviews so far, and they've been all five out of five. So you know, thank you everybody for that. So that's great. And uh, so, but the first question we'll, we'll take is from uh, Steve, and uh, this is actually from a couple of people. They, they're really big questions on sugar cravings. You know, people get these cravings at nighttime past 8 o'clock. You know, they get the munchies and they know they shouldn't be eating, but they just need that kick. What do we do? What should they do? Do you want to answer this one, Bredo, or do you want me to kick off on this one? Well, I'm happy to kick off on this one. Okay, um, and I'll fill in some gaps if there's any. I'm, I'm sure there'll be some gaps. I doubt it, not with you, Bredo. But I think I think the key really in terms of um, getting some more even energy levels, because that's really what we're talking about, is the, the energy levels essentially are going up and down. Um, and a lot of the time I think that is because people are having uh, high carbohydrate diets and lots of sugars in their diets. Um, and what that tends to do is cause a real spike in energy followed by a crash. Um, and often people go through the whole day doing this repeatedly. Um, so they kind of have the spike when they have their carbohydrate-laden breakfast and then the crash in mid-morning and then the spike when they have morning tea and then the crash before lunch. And they kind of go up and down like that all day. And usually by the time they get to the end of the day, the spikes are getting even bigger and better. Um, so often that crash at the end of the day that, that they're talking about um, is just because they've been doing that pretty much all day, that up and down. So I think one of the keys here is to get some more fats and some more proteins into the diet, which help level out those energy levels over time and help you avoid those spikes and crashes. Not bad, Bredo. Not bad. <laughs> I don't I mind think, it. I think it's I pretty think Damo's going to fill in some holes. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, that's a really good way to look at it because that is the, that is often the case and many people actually do do that through the day. They, they will have... A craving for something, and as you know, when I talk about cravings, or you know, we, we tend to crave carbohydrate, and of course, uh, crave starts with C and ends in E, and so does carbohydrate. It starts in C and ends in E, and often the things that we actually crave in the afternoon or in the evening are things that start with C and end in E. <laughs> we can go through that whole list, like coffee, Coke, cake, cookie. cookie. You know, we can just keep on going, right? But and cheese, we, but we won't. But the, the thing is that uh, whilst it could be a uh, blood sugar imbalance, Steve actually says here that he goes, "My diet is good up until around eight pm." So let's give him the benefit of the doubt. Let's just say, for example, all the way through his day, he's actually got his food right, according to what we would be talking about in terms of keeping your grain-based carbohydrates um, low or absent, keeping your vegetable-based and fruit-based and salad-based carbohydrates up, good serves of protein with every single meal and good amounts of 
beneficial fats, uncooked beneficial fats in your meal, in your food as well. Keeping all that right, let's just say he's got all that correct. There's other reasons why people might actually crave later on in the evening after they've actually had their meal. And one could be exhaustion, so they're not getting enough sleep, so they might not be sleeping really well, so they actually get into a, almost like a low oxygen state later in the evening, so they actually start to get a bit fatigued. There could also be the, the, the situation where they're a bit bored. And many people, and I don't know, Steve, if this is you, but many people actually get bored in the evening. They sit down in front of the television and they kind of feel like they need to do something to engage their brain. And often by sitting in front of the TV, they think they're doing something with their brain, but they're actually not. It's kind of a bit of a brain dumbing experience. If you read a book or you actually go and do some exercise, you actually will switch off that need or craving for something sugary because you're actually engaging uh, the fitness of your brain or the fitness of your body and you no longer crave or need to occupy um, cells with stuff that would be redundant or dumb. So it's, you know, maybe have a look at your habits after you finish dinner and maybe it could be that you go for some exercise or you go for a walk or you find a hobby or you start writing a book or jump on Facebook or do whatever you're going to do and or jump onto iTunes and download podcasts from the wellness guys, you know, do that sort of stuff. But uh, it, it could be just that you're bored. And, and I reckon the exercise is an important one there, Damo, because um, we know often when people are stressed, that stress response in your body kicks in. Um, and we know when that stress response is kicked in with the adrenaline and the cortisol, then we do tend to crave sugars and fats as well. Mm. Um, so sometimes getting that exercise, you know, that movement, particularly movement of your spine which helps with response can be a useful way to, to, to lower that as well and to help out with those cravings too yeah yeah good point excellent now so it, just a demo when you what happens when someone says well i, I feel like i do need to eat something um yep. what would you suggest at that time like you know after just to, you know say it's after eight o'clock well, there's two things. One is willpower, and many people actually don't need to eat anything, need to eat anything because they've just had a meal, just had dinner. Like you actually got food in your body. Let your body do something with the food, unless you're planning on bulking up. So, if you're actually wanting to put weight on, then eat some more food. If you're really lean and you're burning through heaps of calories and you're exercising, and you, you know, literally your main meal of or the, that meal that you ate uh, at dinner time is already burned up, you've already gotten through the whole lot, then why don't you have some fruit? That's not going to hurt. And maybe some nuts. And if you subscribe to the dairy thing and you choose to have some yogurt, then why don't you have some fruit, yogurt, and LSA? So linseed, sunflower, and almonds ground up and sprinkled over the top. So maybe choose you know, some low glycemic fruits like berries and melons and, and go like that. Have some of that. Beautiful. I like it. Now let's move on to our next question. Uh, this is from code name it's natural i don't actually didn't actually have a real name so it's uh <laughs> they talk about i'm not sure if it's a he or she but they talk about uh, alcohol and uh, mm. they want to know our take on the effects of alcohol on health and also how it can it or does can alcohol actually be incorporated into your a well-balanced diet you start this time, don't I? Okay. All right. Well, interestingly, I got asked this same question on Triple M the other day. And so I was on Triple M talking with uh, the guys uh, in the afternoon. So uh, having the opportunity to discuss all things about food and nutrition. And one of the questions was, well, what can I drink and how much is too much? And one of the callers called up and asked whether or not six stubbies per night was uh, too much. <laughs> <laughs> 
I said, what do you reckon? And, uh, and, and of course, uh, that is absolutely too <laughs> was much. Was he drinking? <laughs> well, it was actually, it was a, the girlfriend of a guy rang up and asked whether or not, because <laughs> the guy swears black and blue that six stubbies is not enough. You know, it's not, that's not too much. And he's not, he hasn't got a problem. <laughs> I was like, wow, he's actually drowning his sorrows. That's what he's trying to do. But uh, I didn't say that on the, on the radio. But, uh, cause that would be nasty. Uh, but, uh, what I was actually trying to get at is that there's all this missed, uh, I suppose misperception uh, about what is th- that alcohol is actually healthy for you. And let's just put this into context. Alcohol from red wine, actually, no, alcohol just in general has the potential to increase your manufacture of HDL cholesterol. Now, it also has the potential in some people to actually downregulate the production of LDL cholesterol. And so that would then seem that that has a, or would confer a health benefit. But you've got to look at all the other things that alcohol could do to the body, such as nervous system damage, um, liver damage, kidney damage, muscle repair damage, um, fat loss since uh, cessation, so what I've found is one glass or one standard drink will actually stop somebody from burning fat for up to two days, and uh, and so you kind of go, well, okay, there's a benefit in raising HDL cholesterol, which is perceived to be a good cholesterol, or it's a, a low triglyceride-containing cholesterol, and then it, it drops your LDL cholesterol manufacture, so people think that it's healthy, but really that's just one function of health and it's one measurement that we take across a whole broad spectrum. So you could say that it has that benefit, but it still doesn't make it healthy yet. It's just it just has a bit of benefit. So I suppose say, so what you're saying is like it's the um, the wine companies who pull up a study and uh, <laughs> make that benefit and make that claim that red wine's good for you. Well, I actually don't know who made that claim, but what what definitely you know, and I do a lot of genetic testing, you know, nutrigenomic testing, and and one of the things that we do see repeatedly is that people actually have a, a genetic predisposition that allows them to drink alcohol because it increases their HDL production and downregulates their LDL production. But I still don't recommend that as a source of hydration i would suspect that a better thing to drink would be water that's what that's just a suspicion but um you know it would make sense to me that you drink water and not have a whole lot of alcohol because alcohol has other effects on the body so can it be part of a healthy diet or healthy lifestyle i would say yes and the reason i'm saying yes is because if 80 percent of the time you eat great food and you're doing great things with your nutrition and you're exercising and you're really looking after your body then a small amount of alcohol could confer a little bit of health benefit to the body but will still have a detrimental effect on other things in the body is it a health food no there's no way it is there's no way you could consider that it's a health food but it does actually have um, a place in a healthy lifestyle if you choose to drink it um, it's just not the healthiest thing for you. Yeah, and, and I'm going to pretty much agree with you there, Damo. Um, I would say, you know, you can kind of draw a line here between healthy and healthiest. And so if you're talking about a healthy lifestyle, then, you know, you can have some alcohol, you know, you can have a limited amount of, say, red wine um, and incorporate that in part of a healthy lifestyle and actually be, you know, quite healthy. Um, but it would actually be healthiest not to have any at all. So there is a slight difference there because you know a couple of things that that we can also talk about with alcohol is you know we know that alcohol has been linked with various forms of cancer um it's also you know people often think oh it's only if i drink lots of alcohol Um, but low to moderate alcohol intake has been linked with brain atrophy in middle-aged men yeah so it actually affects your your brain getting smaller that's that's yeah 
atrophies. Yeah. yeah, yeah, brain cells dying, essentially. Yeah. So, you know, we know that it has negative effects. We also know that the positive effects we get from it, we get from, you know, primarily from those... Um, Damo, you might correct me here, resveratrol, have I got that right? Yeah, resveratrol and oligomeric <laughs> proanthocyanidin. So, so the antioxidants. Um, and we know that if we actually eat fruits and vegetables, and particularly the grape seeds, that we can get those same antioxidants from our fruits and vegetables. So we can actually get the benefit from the alcohol without getting the negative effects. Yeah. So you know, if you really want to be absolutely, as you said, do the healthiest option, then I think that would be no alcohol. But you can still, you know, you can have some limited amounts of alcohol and still incorporate that into what is a, still a pretty healthy diet. Yeah, yeah, I, I, that's that's a really good point, though, Brett. You're saying, you know, most people make the claim that they want to drink alcohol because you know they it's it's healthy for you. You can't really make that claim. <laughs> it's because yeah. you, you can do other things to to get those same benefits that without the effects of alcohol. So I think that's a really good point. <laughs> yeah, the answer I often give to people on that is I say, if I put resveratrol into arsenic, would it make it healthy? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> nice. Well, it has nice. the potential. You're such a killjoy, Brett. Are you such a killjoy? No, nah, but that's such a good point. It's a great point. I love it. But it goes from from the mental aspect, though, as well, is that, you know, you got to start to ask the question, like, why are you drinking the alcohol in the first place? Right. So, you know, answer that question and then, you know, you have some sort of some insights on that, too, because most people don't drink alcohol because of the health benefits. They drink alcohol because for, you know, variety of social benefits. Social Um, lubrication. So... But uh, yeah, exactly. So that's where you really sort of got to think about, you know, why you drink. And that's, I think, I, I know Brett doesn't drink. I know I don't drink for that same reason was because we made a conscious choice from, from a fact of promotion of, you know, what we do. We're telling people to eat healthy. And yet we were, you know, if we were getting drunk, which I was when I was a student, then to me, that was incongruent. You know, it was incongruent to, to what I was going to preach and talk about. So that's why, you know, I made that decision. Not that I say that I have anything people against who drink. Like my wife, you know, well, before this is before the kids, um, <laughs> w- w- would be drinking wine. She hasn't touched alcohol in like, well, three or well, four years now. So, but, uh, you know, when she does decide to go back to drinking wine, when she starts breastfeeding, then, you know, obviously that that's okay because there's obviously some social benefit to it. <laughs> lucky, lucky it's okay because she'd just leave you. I'm going for my wine. Well, I'm actually going to have a glass of wine uh, tomorrow night, and uh, and I'm feeling very good about it. Actually, thank you very much. And I I have had an impeccable diet, and I always do. And I'm going to have a glass of wine tomorrow night because it's my birthday night. So that's happy birthday. Thanks. But you know Damo. what, though, you know this is this is a very important point too as well. See, Damo, like if you drink a glass of wine compared to, I'm gone. <laughs> I'm anyone's, which is not good. Yeah, but compared to some guy who drinks, you know, say two or six stubbies a day, right? Who probably most likely has a shocking diet is not the most healthiest thing. Well, your body is going to be able to be able to adapt and cope. Yeah. Right. You know, yeah. with that. So, all right. Um, the, the third question here is um, from Nari. We, she wants to know a little bit about pre-pregnancy preparation. I think this is a huge topic. I think this Me is too. going to be a massive topic to, you know, I think we'll dedicate a whole episode on this. But is there any key points that you guys want to discuss and just throw out there, you know, in, in a couple of minutes? Well, yeah, I think what you want to do with pre-pregnancy preparation, and Nari, it's such a good question. I think we might even try and interview somebody for that because whilst I do a lot of that with uh, the 
patients that I see, and I don't know, Brett and LT, you do as well. I wonder whether or not we could actually get somebody who is well-versed in that, particularly well-versed in that. Maybe we'll get uh, Jen Floriani on for that one or something. Oh, what do you I reckon? So. Yeah, I've already started thinking about it. And we'll make a whole call about it. In fact, that could be one that we do as an hour session. We'll just see. We'll just see how we go. But I know that Jen would be keen to do that. And Nari, I reckon that, and anybody else who's actually thinking of, of thinking that this is a great idea, um, you'll probably want to hear it. But you want to at least give yourself six months, at least six months preparation for pre-pregnancy care. Many people try to race through it and do it in six weeks or just start taking a multivitamin. It's not enough. And you want to give yourself at least six months. And we'll tell you about why and how you can do that in that upcoming episode. Excellent. And, and, you know, one thing we might talk about, which is the one point I'll make about it, is that pre-pregnancy preparation is not just about getting pregnant. It's actually about <laughs> the health of the baby as well. Um, and, you know, I was looking at some really interesting stuff with Cindy O'Meara, who spoke for us on the weekend. It was awesome. And we might interview her soon too. Yeah, let's do that. Um, but she was talking about some mice they'd studied and how actually the what the parents were eating was changing the characteristics of the offspring, changing their actually genetic composition. It actually changed their colour of their fur, which is really fascinating. So we might talk a bit about that, but not just how it's about getting pregnant, but it's about the health of the kids as well. In the lead up to that, I just want to make one point, uh, and this is really important, is that the dose that you receive, let's say, for example, you're drinking coffee or you're drinking alcohol, the dose that you receive or you're smoking cigarettes, the dose that you receive in your body is seven times less than that which your unborn baby receives. So if you have a glass of wine, the equivalent dose is seven glasses of wine on your unborn baby. Now, that's incredibly significant. So uh, just keep that in mind because that's one of the reasons why one glass of wine is actually not okay uh, for if, you, if you're pregnant. Damo, can you imagine what Lawrence Tam would be like on seven glasses of wine? These <laughs> <laughs> are seven sniffs would be enough. <laughs> but keep that in mind. I think that's a really important point. Yeah, no, I think that's a great point. All right, so next question I have here, um, it was actually an anonymous question. I'm not sure who sent this, but it was about fish oil. Um, we talked, a, we, there was a whole episode on fish oil. If you want to know a little bit more about that, uh, go back to that episode. But here's a good point from someone who is a um, vegetarian or from a vegan point of view or from a you know um, a marine biologist point of view, I guess, who don't want to eat fish. Yeah. You know, what's the next best thing to get your omega-3? There's actually not much on the planet. You know, what we've actually moved towards is krill oil and that disturbs me even more. The krill oil is, um, is particularly beneficial for managing um, heart disease and cholesterol, so elevated cholesterol. But I, I just think that humans have to, we have to stop raping and pillaging the earth to benefit ourselves. We're just one species um, on the planet. And if we're taking krill from, uh, from the wild in a, in, a, in a marine environment that uh, whales feed from, by the ton load, by the way, uh, just to extract some oil. I don't. I just don't think it's good. So we've moved to krill away from salmon in the hope that we're going to move further away from um, mercury or farmed processes. The reality is that most of the salmon that we actually eat uh, comes from farms. And so the salmon that we actually eat actually doesn't contain a whole lot of omega-3 fatty acid in it compared to the wild salmon that we could actually get access to. And so consequently the oils that we get from the farmed salmon has to be um, micro filtered 
and standardized. And so when you do that, you take out all of the junk and you take out all of the waste and all of the heavy metals and you standardize the, and you potentiate the, the active amounts of um, omega-3 fatty acids that are beneficial for the body. And essentially that's EPA and DHA. And they're really good for you, but you don't actually, you can't, you, 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 there's nothing else on the planet that can actually give you the same level and the same benefit of EPA and DHA that you would get from fish oil. So many people have said flaxseed oil or um, chia seeds, they give you omega-3s, walnuts give you omega-3s, and, and that's true, it does give you omega-3 fatty acids, but the conversion process um, is very, very poor in the human body to the active forms of EPA and DHA from arachidonic acid, which is the omega-3 fatty acid that comes from those seeds. It's very, very poor. And so the long and the short answer is that there's nothing else that acts as a substitute. And so I would recommend that if you choose to not have uh, marine-based fish oils, that you get your plant-based omega-3s from, say, flax and chia. Make sure you soak your chia so it's nice and soft when you eat it. Make sure that the flax is ground down so you can actually digest it, not just flax seeds. Make sure it hasn't been cooked so you don't want flax or linseed bread because that's no good for you. You want to make sure that it's raw. Um, you could have flaxseed oil if you choose, but that goes rancid very quickly. And just make sure that you don't have a diet that's rich in omega-6 fatty acids that's going to offset that omega-3, omega-6 fatty acid balance. So to keep your omega-6 fatty acid balance uh, or levels low, avoid grains um, primarily and eat your nuts and your seeds that are rich in omega-3 fatty acids. That's about the only way that you can do it to get close um, to what you need to achieve. Excellent. Good answer. Good answer, Damo. I don't think I've got anything to add. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, the next question is from Angela. Angela, you have a question on juicing. Um, what do you think about juicing? Bredo. All right. Um, I've got to be honest. I'm I'm actually not a huge fan of juicing. Um, I, we, juicing is something that could be really popular in the sort of health field for people wanting to get you know more of their nutrients and those sort of things. And I think juice can be a useful way, uh, almost to do like a bit of a supplement to get some extra nutrients and to get some extra um, minerals into you. Uh, but I think one of the issues I have with juicing is I find I see a lot of people who do a lot of juicing, and what they actually end up doing is having huge amounts of sugar sugars and carbohydrates from just huge amounts of fruit that they're pumping into this juicer. Mm. Um, so, so I think it's really important um, if you are going to do juicing um, that I think don't do too much of it um, and I also think you've got to make sure that you're still getting the fats and the proteins in your diet and you're still balancing that out. So, you know, one of the things I will sometimes do if I'm doing a juice and people often think this is kind of gross but I do, <laughs> is that I will often put nuts and egg into my juice. Um, and actually put it into, like, do nice. the juice. And I always do fruit and veg juice. I never do just fruit. So I'll do fruit and veg juice, and then I'll actually put nuts into it, and I'll put egg in it, and I'll blend it up. And it actually tastes really good, even though I know people think it sounds gross because they tell me that all the time <laughs> to try it. It's pretty creamy, um, actually. Yeah, it is. It's really nice. Um, but or, or if you don't want to do that, then make sure you're eating some fats and proteins at the same time as you're doing the juice, just so that you're balancing it out and you're not having incredibly high amounts of carbohydrate. I think the main sugars. point with juicing, though, for me is that you know the biggest mistake most people do is that they juice and they replace it as a meal. Yeah, and that's yeah. the one of the worst things you can do. I mean, juicing to me, like you said, I see it as more like a liquid multivitamin. 
Yeah, you know, it's yep. like you're just getting the the pure nutrients. It's a um, bonus. And yeah, it's like it's, it's like a multivitamin hit for your body because you know, one of the things too about I mean we can go into juicers about you know fast juicers and slow juicers where some of the fast juicers supposedly burns out the enzyme and really destroys some of the nutrients anyway. So you want a slow juicer. But the main thing about juicing is I think you're sit right. You got to add the fats and nuts and, and protein. But the problem is is that don't replace it as a meal. You know, yeah, use it as a multivitamin. Yeah. And it's a quick absorption. I think it's great. I think I I typically trust use a veggie juice um, mm-hmm. rather than mixing fruit. I only um, I probably typically just have veggie straight. And if I want to sweeten it just for a taste, because most people are starting juicing, always have it's too earthy for them. Um, yeah. So because their taste buds obviously not adapted to it, so what they typically do is, is use a bit of carrot and maybe beetroot to sweeten it just the beginning, yeah. and then sort of back it off. Yeah. Not tender beetroot, fresh beetroot. Yeah, fresh, fresh ones. Yeah, yeah. Now, well, I want to add to this. I actually think the juicing is really good, and um, and the reason why I think it's really good and uh, for and for a number of reasons, I suppose. But when I did the TV show Downsize Me, uh, the participants on Downsize Me who lost the most weight and got the healthiest juiced every single day. Now that's an outstanding claim, and but I, in the second series, oh, sorry, the fourth series, um, I actually tried this, um, and those participants who did juice using apple, carrot, beetroot, celery, ginger, and uh, parsley, and some of them I actually got them to put some Tabasco in there, a bit of chili, they actually lost the most amount of weight, the most successfully with the least amount of cravings. And they got the healthiest by all other markers that we measured. So across the board, their blood measures were better. Um, their BIA, the bioimpedance analysis measures, were better. And so what it said to me was that the replacement of nutrients uh, from the juice was significant enough to offset the down-regulation or, the, the, I suppose, the downscaling of the amount of calories that I was giving them without actually stopping them from losing weight. And, I, and this is, that's a really important thing, that when many people go to lose weight, they actually drop the amount of calories that they're getting in, which means that they're not necessarily getting all the food that their body requires. So, But you get that nutrient hit from the juice. So I like it from that point of view. I also like to use juicing for detoxification. I think it's really, really beneficial for helping people um, do a liver detox. I think it's excellent. Uh, and so I, I, like to, I like to use that. And I've also done experiments um, with their permission uh, with type 1 diabetics doing juicing. And Bredo, it's interesting because you mentioned that they would get a whole heap of carbohydrate and sugar going into the mm. bloodstream. But type 1 diabetics doing vegetable juices don't see a spike in their blood sugar levels. And, uh, and in fact, in, in one case that I know of, and she may even be listening, I won't mention her name, in one case that I know of, um, this this lady did juicing primarily all the time, nonstop, every day for a couple of times a day, and saw her blood sugar levels decline and her diabetes, type one diabetes, come under the best control she's ever had in years. That's so great. I really like juicing. Excellent. Well, listen, guys, this has been a, a great episode. Um, I think it answers a lot of questions, but I think it's actually going to create some more questions, <laughs> which, <laughs> which I think is great. I think this is where you know what the Wellness Guys is all about, is to be able to because health is such a, um, a controversy, but also there's so much stuff out there. We're just trying to help you interpret some of this information for you. And if you have more questions, make sure you you know post it on Facebook, um, on our Facebook page, uh, like us of course there, or you can post it on each episode and just ask your questions uh, on on the per episode. This is the obviously a, a change in format today. You know, we took a whole bunch of questions, we answered them. Do you like it? 
if you like this type of format, maybe we should do this more often, you know, every 10 episodes or something. Let us know. Uh, let us give us some feedback on what you thought about this particular episode. And so uh, let's spread the word on the wellness guys. Please uh, tell your friends to you know, download it on, on iTunes. That would be great if we can move up to number one ranking um, in, in the, the world, world uh, in terms yeah. of health. That would be really amazing. <laughs> I think we're going right. to throw a party at that. We'll be, we'll be up there with Dr. McCullough. We've got to knock off those ABC guys in the health field. I mean, really. We've yeah. just got to you know, get that top spot. That's <laughs> right. That's right. So, like always, join us each week on the thewellnessguys.com. Leave your comments below each episode, like I said before. Tell us what you think about us and uh, make sure you like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter. Sign up for notice on each episode because we actually got a free wellness ebook for you uh, when you sign up and uh, we'll send it to you by email and make sure you download us on iTunes. Until next week, begin creating wellness into your lives. Lead by example and let's change the world's health together. Join us next week on the Wellness Guys Show. <laughs>